Hey, this is Kendrick Oakley at Real Life Church, and this is our podcast. I hope that this leaves you encouraged and inspired. Enjoy the word. You cannot walk in the power without knowing the person. And what we have come to realize is that the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood person in the church. And because he's the most misunderstood, he then becomes the most rejected person in the church. And because he's the most misunderstood, he then becomes the most ignored person in the church. And because he's the most misunderstood, he then becomes the most abused person in the church. I don't care how rejected you feel right now, you don't have it worse than the Holy Spirit. The most misunderstood, most rejected, most ignored, but it all comes from a misunderstanding. And I want you to be challenged in this series because you may have a good grip on who the Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit is but I, I promise you there's more that for us to grow into. And, and, the, and the moment that we stop making the focus of all of this to know God more, we then become religious and everything we do becomes pointless and void. Right? Like everything about Christianity is for the purpose of knowing God more. It's not to get him to do stuff for us. It's not to get a better life. It's every day, every moment. The, the purpose is we are on a journey of discovering more of who God is. Let me, let, me, let me preface everything by saying this, that there's people who have been saved for years and don't know God any more deeper than they did when they first responded to an altar call. They may know more religion. They may know how to do more religion. They may even be serving in a ministry. They may even be prophesying, right? Because they got trained in the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But Jesus said that many on that day will say, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal in your name? Now we equate that to spiritual maturity. I mean, if they're healing people and there's revival and they're prophesying, this must be a mature. But, but Jesus's response was, I never knew you. That somewhere on your journey, the top priority was no longer knowing me. Every single day, we should wake up on a journey to discover more of who God is. If that is not why we are here, then the question is, why are we here? Because the purpose must always be to know God more. What I've come to, to learn is that when that becomes your priority, 90% of your problems weren't really problems. It's crazy when the order of God comes into our life. When that becomes our priority, everything else in our life begins to shift. It begins to change. The Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood person in the church. And the first question that I want to ask you today, and if you're following along on your phones, on the, uh, on the Bible app, the question is this, who do I understand the Holy Spirit to be? Who do I understand the Holy Spirit to be? 
And I want you to ask yourself that question, not just based upon theology. What I realize is that there are so many times where our theology doesn't really line up with our experience. And it kind of goes with the gap, that there's this gap between what we believe and what we're actually living. So I, I stopped focusing so much on my theology, and I started saying, wait a minute, am I actually living this out? Like, do I actually believe this? Have I taken the time to, to contemplate, to meditate, to think through this? Because even in my own life, and I'm going to share my story throughout this series, in my own life, my theology, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as God, my theology said that he was, but there was nothing in my life that really depicted that he was God. So everybody in this room is in different places. Um, you're in a different part of your journey. Some of you have been saved for years, some of you maybe for months, some of you are absolutely new to this. Some of you maybe didn't want to be here today, but the Lord made a way somehow, amen? And you're here, and you're all on different journeys. We're all on different journeys. And therefore, your perspective of who the Holy Spirit is is absolutely different. Now, if we all asked each other, we would all probably have maybe the same answer. We'd be relatively close, but our experience may differ. But you might be here and you say, I, I don't really have any clue at all. Uh, he's like, maybe he's a power or maybe he's a force. Um, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Maybe he empowers us for ministry or maybe he, but there's no way we could ever exhaust the fullness of who he is and the fullness of his work in our life. Who do I understand the Holy Spirit to be? Who do I understand the Holy Spirit to be. I remember asking, um, because we came from a background where the Holy Spirit wasn't really mentioned, he wasn't talked about, um, a lot of things that we do in our expression of Christianity now, we didn't do in that expression, and I, I didn't take a class on it. Um, it was a journey of experience of the Lord shifting everything that I thought I knew and rebuilding my theology through experience, okay? And, but I remember asking the Holy Spirit one time, I said, if you are the most misunderstood, then why don't you just like reveal yourself to people? Like all you have to do, because I've seen in that phase of my walk that he was a person. Now we're gonna talk about it next week and it will change everything about your, your life. We're gonna talk about next week him being a person. And I'm gonna tell you a, a, a testimony of how he introduced himself in my life and what that was like. But it, I, I began to, to walk through that. I said, well, if you're a person, nobody really understands you as a person. And the Bible refers to you out of your function. So we kind of get it confused sometime. And he descended like a dove and there's a wind and there's a force and there's a power. And I said, why don't you just reveal yourself to people? And he responded to me. This was when we were on Muskogee Avenue. He responded to me by saying, I never point to myself. My role as the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ. He's a gentleman. 
He said, it's never my role, my function, to ever talk about me. And I said, man, he's so honorable in his function, in his role, to point to Jesus, to reveal Jesus, that he is willing to be rejected and misunderstood completely, and at a lot of times dishonored and go unacknowledged but he is completely fulfilled because he says, I never point to myself. I never reveal myself. My purpose is to reveal the son. I said, man, this makes so much sense. So who do I, who do you, who do we understand the Holy Spirit to be? Knowing the Holy Spirit is a person and that he is equal to the father and the son is absolutely vital in developing a healthy relationship with God. What you're going to see is many of us struggle in our relationship with God. The only way that you can struggle in your relationship with God is a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to prove it to you. It's a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. Let's start by understanding the Trinity. Let's just talk about it briefly because we have to talk about this in the foundation. By the way, last, last series was a series where you just sit back and get fed. This is a series where you're going to have to uh, activate your, your, your mind and take notes. And I want to encourage you on a series like this, take notes and really join with me on an intellectual level. So let's understand for a moment the Trinity to lay a foundation because understanding the Trinity is crucial in understanding what God is like, how he relates to us, and how we relate to him. Okay? I've been so refreshed in this series. And as I'm, I'm, I'm journeying through this series, God is challenging my belief system. He's challenging my reality. He's challenging my experience. He's stretching me in so many different ways. And I'm praying that what I'm feeling in my relationship with God you begin to feel the stretch of the Lord in this series. So the doctrine of the Trinity means that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's debunk some, some presuppositions and perspectives that we may have, okay? Number one, the Trinity is not three ways of looking at God. It's not just three ways of looking at him, okay? It's not just he's just one and I kind of imagine him or I look at him as a father and I look at him as a son sometimes and I look at him as a Holy Spirit. Nor is the Trinity referring to three roles that God plays. Are y'all walking with me? Some of us may think it's maybe three roles, like there's one, but he kind of plays the role of the father, and then he played the role as a son, he came down, he died, and then he plays the role of the Holy Spirit. And that would be like saying, I am a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a pastor. And that's how we see the Trinity sometimes, is I'm Kendrick, but I'm also the role and the function of a husband, I'm in the role and the function of of a father. I'm in the role and function of a son. And sometimes I'm a father when I'm with spiritual sons. Sometimes I'm a son when I'm with my spiritual father. And that's kind of how we see God. But we have to understand that that is not the case with the Trinity. The Trinity is one God, listen, in three distinct persons who perfectly relate to one another. 
if there were not three in one to perfectly relate to one another, God would not be holy because there has to be an aspect of relationship in community for him to be holy. He has to relate perfectly in community or he can't even put that demand on you. He cannot be isolated by him. There's a requirement on his holiness for him to have to be able to relate with at least three beings, with at least three people. And so one God, three distinct persons. Another way to say it is he's one in essence and he's three in persons. Are y'all flowing with me? One God exists in three persons. They are all equal and eternal. They are all worthy of equal praise and worship. They are all distinct, yet acting in complete unity. When you understand this and you grow in this, your relationship with God will go to absolutely new levels when you understand that I must grow in relating to all three of them. Some of us are at a point in our walk, and I remember being there where it's just God. It's just this God and he's like some there up there somewhere and, 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 and he's just God and that's all I know. And, and, but then we begin to grow in understanding that there are times where you encounter the Father. There are times where you encounter the Son. There are times where you pray and worship Christ. There's times where you pray and worship the Father. But I'm gonna stretch your theology today because for many of us in the church, there's not times where we actually pray and worship the Holy Spirit. As a distinct person that I'm growing in a relationship with. Let me give you some examples so that you can see the Trinity, three persons functioning together as one. John chapter one, verse one. He opens up by saying, in the beginning was the word. Speaking of Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? With God. Now, I would not say, and Kendrick was with Kendrick. Come on. Would I? Now, he's, he's articulating this for a reason. And the Word was with God. Now, watch it. And the Word was to say, was God. What in the world? And Kendrick was with Kendrick, and Kendrick was Kendrick. It doesn't make sense because there's not multiple of these. But he's, he's articulating this for a purpose. In the beginning was the word. Now we can preach on in the beginning because Jesus was not a created being. In the beginning, there was never a moment he did not exist. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And nothing came into existence without him. John chapter 1. Let's look at Acts verse 10. Uh, chapter 10, verse 38. It should be on the screen. It's also in your, in your uh, uh, phone notes. God, okay, the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Well, gosh, dog, there's three right there together, functioning together differently. Are you with me? God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, listen, and with power. You would not say the Holy Spirit. Now, we got to get theological. we got to dive into this. We not say the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. Because some of us just reduce him to the power of God. No, it says the Holy Spirit and also with power. Okay? 
So we see the three functioning here. And it says that, uh, um, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Listen, for God was with him. Jesus' entire life was fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit. His entire life was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Okay? Matthew 3, verse 16, one of my favorite. It says, when he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Somebody say, like a. Touch your neighbor, say, like a. That one has an attitude. Tell the other one, like a. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not a dove, but he was coming down like a dove. Are you with me? Because the Bible is going to refer to him in multiple different ways. We have to understand that it's an analogy. It's kind of like Ford. They say what? Like a rock. Nobody's buying a rock. <laughs> what is that? It's my, it's my Ford, man. No, that's a rock. No, no one gets it confused. Like, what? I thought I bought a Ford, man. No, no, nobody mixes it up. They understand that it's an analogy. It's like somebody saying it, it, he's as strong as Kendrick Oakley. You know, something like that. It's just, it's just an analogy. You know what I'm saying? Where you say that something is like something. Okay? So he's descending. He's not a bird. But he's coming down a person, the Spirit of God, coming down, descending upon Jesus. And he, what the writer is saying, similar to the way, if you could imagine a, a dove, how peaceful a dove is, coming down and descending upon the earth. And the heavens opened, and a voice came from heaven saying, Okay, so where we see the, the Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming down, and the Father then speaking, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. All three distinct persons, one in essence, three in persons. They are all God. They are all eternal. There is not a moment when any of the three did not exist. Jesus is not a created being. The Holy Spirit did not just pop up in Acts. But matter of fact, we can go all the way to the beginning. And let us do that. In Genesis, what we hear the words, when God is creating the heavens and the earth, he's creating man. What does he say? Let us make man in our image. Is us singular or is it plural? Is our singular or is it plural? Now, nothing had been created yet. Let us, the Godhead, make man in our image. The Son is not a created being. In the beginning was the Word. There was not, never a moment that he did not exist. He wasn't thought of to bring redemption when he was conceived in the womb of Mary. Because John goes on to say, in the beginning was the Word, and there came a time when the Word became flesh. But he existed from the beginning. That's why John the Baptist said, um, the, 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 yes, I'm baptizing you. They say, are you Messiah? He says, no, 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 no. There's one that's coming after me, but he's worthy of more praise than me because although he comes after me, he was before me. Man, it's a, a beautiful thing. He's coming after me, 
but he was before me because the word became flesh, but he's existed through all eternity. The Holy Spirit neither was a created being. Okay, let's look at a few things. I want to show you this and it might blow your mind. Because although he's the most rejected, most misunderstood, most ignored, and we kind of have heard about him in somewhere like Acts chapter 2. And other than that, we don't really know much about him. But let me show you that the Holy Spirit is the first member of the Godhead mentioned by name and function in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. He's the first member of the Godhead mentioned by name and function. In Genesis chapter 1, it says this. In the beginning, God. Now, that is going to, that alone will show you where your understanding is. Because when we read in the beginning, God, most of us don't think of the Godhead. We probably think of God the Father. We probably don't associate Jesus with creation. But we just read in John chapter 1, that all things came into existence through who? Jesus. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? All of us have an image when we have read that before. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Oh, I wish I had time to dive into that. Let me just go on. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help me. Help me. And the Spirit of God, now, when it says in the beginning, God is referring to the Godhead. Let us make. In the beginning, God, if you don't include the Holy Spirit there when you read God and the Son, then we must grow in our understanding of who God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but listen, the first name, because it doesn't say God the Father, it doesn't say Jesus created the heavens and the earth, it says God, all three, but the first name and function mentioned is the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. This is on the screen, and this is going to be very important for you to understand. How, they, how do they function together? The Father initiates, the Son administers and the Holy Spirit manifests. The Father initiates, the, whole, the Son administers, and the Holy Spirit manifests. Sometimes in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the hand of God, the arm of God, the finger of God. If I had time, I would show you these passages of Scripture where it said the hand of God is referring to the Holy Spirit. The Father initiates, the Son administers, the Spirit manifests. Jesus says, I want to show you, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only administer what I see my Father initiating. Because have you ever read that and said, what do you mean? If the Father's doing it, why are you doing it? I only do what I see my father doing. So does the father heal somebody? And then Jesus says, oh, snap, I'm going to heal you too. And the father raised somebody from the dead. And he said, oh, snap, I got, I'm going to raise you too. I only do what I see my father doing. Have you ever thought about that? What does that mean? 
Uh, or is, is the Father in heaven? I kind of had an image before, like maybe the Father's in heaven, like in, it's like, uh, like Pictionary type thing, and Jesus has to figure it out, and the Father's like, you know, raising somebody from the dead, and he's like, oh, okay, okay, and, and he has to play this game of like Pictionary. I didn't know what it meant. I only do, but if you understand their function, the Father initiates, the Son administers, the Holy Spirit manifests. I only administer what I see my father initiating. It all begins with the initiation of the father. I do nothing on my own, but I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear him saying. I, I administer what I see him initiating. First Corinthians 12, five through seven. I want to just show you this. It's not on the screen anywhere, but it offers some insight in how they work together. And we've read it in, in the context of the body of Christ, the spiritual gifts. And it says there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, Lord Christ. And there are diversities of operations or initiations, but the same God that worketh all in all. And then here, listen, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man for the profit of all. There's many administrations, there's many initiations, and there's many manifestations. The Father initiates, the Son administers, and the Holy Spirit manifests. God, the Father, so loved the world, right? So this whole thing began with the Father's initiation. The Father initiated the Father so loved the world that he gave his Son. The Father initiates. The Son is born into the earth in obedience to the Father, empties himself of his godliness, his, his godly attributes, and he then lives his life administering the perfect will of the Father. But the Father so loved the world that he sent his Son. The Father initiates. The Son administers, watch this, the Holy Spirit manifests because when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to conceive, and she's like, yo, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if it's like slipped your, 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 your mind, but I actually am a virgin. I've like, I've not had any type of relation at all. And she says, so how is this going to, to happen? And listen to this. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will be upon you. The Father initiates. He so loved the world. The Son administers, but the Holy Spirit is the one that manifests. Why is this important for you to understand? Because the only reason why you are not walking in the promises of God is because you don't know the only one who can manifest it. Listen. Jesus would not have come into the earth if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. There was no way for him to get here if it wasn't for the person of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the life of Jesus, he was born by the person of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit manifests. Everything that he did was through the power. What do we read? He did these healings and he... He devoured the work of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Everything he did was by the Holy Spirit, born by the Holy Spirit, everything he did by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul lets us know 
that the Holy Spirit is the one who raised him from the dead. But Paul goes on to say, and he's trying to get us to understand, he said, I, I so desperately pray that you are filled. He didn't pray for their finances. He didn't, he didn't pray for their, their, their mind. He didn't pray. He said, I am praying one thing, that you would have the spirit of wisdom and understanding to know God and to know the hope that you've been called to and to know the power that you have been given. And he says the same power. Somebody say same power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead has been given to you as a gift. Nothing Jesus did, he could do without the work of the Holy Spirit. The father initiated out of his love. The son wanted to come through the obedience. But listen, none of it could have happened. Because the father initiates, the son administers, but the Holy Spirit manifests. What things are locked up for you because you think that God is just somewhere on a throne and you're waiting for him to respond and you don't understand that it doesn't matter how bad Mary wanted to have a baby. It had to be the Holy Spirit coming upon her and manifesting the word becoming flesh. How many prophetic words do you have that are still in word form? It got real quiet. Dantre gave me a ooh and y'all... The only reason why it is still in word form is because it has to be manifested through the person of the Holy Spirit. The word became flesh. Come on, church. We got to get to a place where the word is becoming flesh. Year after year, we have the, the things that we know that God is calling us to, and they're still in word form. They're not being embodied in our life. Why? It's through the personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you reject him, you reject his manifestations. If you don't know him, you can't walk in the fullness of what God is doing in your life. Because there's so much in your life that the Father is initiating and there's so much in your life that Jesus wants to administer, but it's not until the function of the Holy Spirit, which is to manifest what the Father is initiating. If you ever feel that struggle, I know God wants, right? This is filled with the Father's initiation. He wants you to be in good health. He wants you to prosper. He, he, he wants you to be free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. We believe it. We, we do laps to it and we walk out and Monday we fall to the same sin. The Bible says that the power of sin has been broken. And we would say, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's true. But it hasn't become true because the word says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Whoever the sun sets free. Let me give you a secret. If you believe in Jesus today, you're set free. But there's a difference between being set free and made free. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. In other words, Paul said, you can't argue with it. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. There's no question about it. He set you free. He's broke every chain. He's finished the work. Absolutely. You can't argue it. You are absolutely set free. But you shall know the truth. Not beg God to do what he's already done. You will know the truth and the truth will make you. Somebody say, make me. There's a difference between being set free and being made free. When you're, make, when you're made free, it's through the journey and the process of it made. It changes who you are through your journey of coming into the knowledge of all of this. This is the most important thing we could talk about. Let me tell you your secret to, to freedom. It, let me tell you, it's to know God more. 
It sounds so simple, and we're chasing so much. But let me tell you this, it's to know him more. It's to know who he is, that as a result of that, freedom is manifested in your life. The Father initiates. The Son administers. The Father initiated your freedom when, you, when we were all bound to go to hell, and there was no hope. He initiated, he so loved the world. The Son administered the finished work by sacrificing himself and offering it all. But listen, why is there a gap? Because the Holy Spirit manifests. The Father initiates, the Son administers, the Holy Spirit manifests. The Holy Spirit in creation. I told you that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the finger of God, the hand of God, the arm of God. Well, look in Psalm 8, verse 3. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, it's referring to the functionality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who put the stars and the planets in their place. He probably never got credit for it. He's the one. Everything that you see that is created, everything you see in your natural eye was created by the function of the beautiful Holy Spirit. And when we see this, it changes everything. The Bible says that God, the Godhead, the Trinity, when he created the heavens and the earth, it was formless, without form, it was void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We don't know how long he was, but he was hovering over. What was he doing? He was waiting for the initiation of the Father. He's waiting for the initiation because he can't manifest what the Father did not initiate. He's waiting. The, the, the earth is there, but it's, it's dark. I, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother series. That's a whole nother series. The earth is there without form. It's void. It's in chaos. And the Holy Spirit is waiting for the initiation of the Father. Once the Father initiates it, stay with me, the Son administers it by saying, let there be light. Why? Because in the beginning was the... We got to see it, guys. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the word was God. The father initiated. The father said, now it's time. And the son said, okay, I administer what the father initiates. Let there be light. And the manifestation came through the Holy Spirit. They functioned together. Did you know that man was created by the Holy Spirit? You, I know you ignore him, but he's actually the one that created you. Now, if that messes with you, like, God created me, keep coming back on Sundays, because that's why we're having this conversation. <laughs> if it doesn't do that, I mean, it should. This whole, my whole journey, there's moments where I'm like, gosh, dog it. I know that's true, but it feels weird when I actually think about it. The Holy Spirit created you. No, he did. I mean, he's in our services, and stuff, but he didn't. God created me with his finger. <laughs> okay. Who's the finger of God? Listen, y'all still don't believe me. 
Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground, and he breathed, that word is spirit, it's the same word for spirit, the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Y'all still don't believe me. How do I know? Job 33, verse 4. This is what he says. For the spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. That starts to convict me. Because I say, Holy Spirit, you are so important. God, you you, you manifested creation. You put the stars in their place. You're you're the arm of God manifesting the Father's will in the earth. And I don't know if I've ever given you credit. I just give you credit for... The Holy Spirit did his job today. No, no, no. He was doing his job in creation, putting the stars and the planets in their place. He's creating you. He's creating me. He's been active. We reduce him to an experience on Sunday morning. And we don't understand that he's the creator of the universe. Oh, man. Yeah, you play. Might as well. Look at him. He's getting his notebook. No, don't play. It'll get way too. I still need to. Uh-uh. I need them to listen. Man, is this good? The father. <laughs> I'm going to just mess with y'all, Okay. This is all simple stuff, but I want you to really see it. The Father is not on the earth. Okay? The Father is not on the earth. He's in heaven. Jesus is not on the earth. He's in heaven. He ascended, and they were looking up, and God had to say, gosh, dog it, I told them to go to Jerusalem, to the upper room, and stay, and they just sitting there. And he had to send two angels to go down and say, hey, y'all, hey, 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 the same way that he went up, he's coming back. Are you with me? Jesus is not on earth. He went up and he's coming back, but he ain't came back yet. The father is on his throne and the son is now Lord because he finished the work. He's always been Jesus, but he became Lord through his obedience. He became Lord because of his obedience, and now he is on the throne next to the Father. They are not on the earth. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it very clear that the Holy Spirit would take his place in our lives, okay? He began to tell the disciples that I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to go to the Father, but it's better for you that I go. I love it. We're going to talk about that next week. How in the world, is it better that you go? We're going to talk about it next week. But he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you. If I go, the Father will send another advocate, okay? He will send the Holy Spirit. I remember when the Lord began to stretch my understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And I began to realize that my theology says the Holy Spirit is God, but my experience did not really say that he was God. And I'm seeing it in the body of Christ. Our theology, for many of us, says that the Holy Spirit is God, 
But as I look into how we function in Christianity, our experience doesn't say that he's actually God. Here's a question for you. Do we worship the Holy Spirit? Do we worship the Holy Spirit? Do we worship the Holy Spirit? Or is he just a tool or an avenue to worship God? In our experience of Christianity, I can remember the Lord stretching me in that and causing me to worship the Holy Spirit for the first time. Can I be honest with you? I felt like it was idolatry. My theology said he was God, but I'd realized I'd never worshiped the Holy Spirit. I've only used the Holy Spirit to worship God. He was a tool. He was an instrument. We say, come Holy Spirit, come on. And we're, we're in our Holy Spirit, enter in. And we're like, we're begging the Holy Spirit to come and help us to get to God. Come on. We want him to, to come in and help us to worship God. But he's not, the, he's not the point of our worship. He's the avenue of our worship in most Christianity. He's the avenue of our worship, and we want him. And if he's not here, then we can't even connect with God. God is just distant. He ain't. But when he comes in, it's like, oh, we feel good now. I got goosebumps. Look at that. My hairs are sticking out. And, and so we feel better, and now we feel like now we can get to God because he's so distant. Now, now the way that we approach worship, I know that there's a difference between his presence and the manifested presence, but the way we approach it, it shows me we don't understand who he is because we come in here thinking that we're trying to get him to come in here when he's already in here. And the Lord began to say, you don't worship the Holy Spirit as God. He began to say, am I God? The Holy Spirit talking to me. Am I God? Well, yeah. Yeah, I can go to scripture. He said, well, you don't worship me like I'm God. And I remember the first few times that I began to worship the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, oh my God, I worship you? And it felt like idolatry. And what I began to see is that my theology didn't line up with my experience because it felt like I was maybe worshiping an angel or something. And the Lord was stretching me. This was years ago. And I began to realize I've never worshiped the Holy Spirit. And if I've never worshiped the Holy Spirit, I can say what I want in theology school, but I really don't believe he's God worthy of my worship and and my affection. I just need his help. God is God, and he's there, and he's big, and he sent us this, like, other thing to help us to get to him. And he sent us this help so that we can reach him in a distant land. And it began to shift. Before that, I was already talking to the Holy Spirit. Because he has to become a person before he becomes your God. Come on. The first step is he has to become a person. That's what we're going to talk about next week. But after he became a person to me, the Lord then a few years later said, okay, now that you know that I'm a person, I have a personality, I have things I like, things I don't like, it changed how I lived, it changed righteousness for me. Let me say this, the Holy Spirit is connected to the fear of the Lord. It's hard to fear a God that is in a different galaxy. 
because I don't really know if every detail of my life really is he even going to notice if I do this. And is he, I know the Bible says, but it don't feel like he says. It doesn't feel like he really does. I mean, he's just so far away. But I can really do what I want and get away with. I mean, he's there. And then when the time comes, now, if I were in the presence of God before his throne, it's easy to fear him. But he's like so far away. And maybe as I get older and I realize that I'm going to see him sooner, I can fear him. Listen, it's all a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to fear a God that is so distant. But when you begin to get an understanding of the Holy Spirit and you begin to say, wait a minute, God himself is the Holy Spirit. He's eternal in his fullness and he's not way out there. The father is on the throne, but the Holy Spirit, God himself, has been given to me. He lives in me. He is on me. He is with me every single moment of my life. All of a sudden, it gets really, really challenging to sin in the presence of the Holy Spirit, a holy God. If we can easily sin, and maybe we repent, but we easily sin, then we lack reverence for God, and we lack reverence, listen, because we don't see him. When I say see, I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about we don't see him. You can only have reverence for what you see, what you understand. When you begin to understand the Holy Spirit, that that God himself, now it makes sense when he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake me. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, he would have lied because the Father's on the throne. But he sent a spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself, and now he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you decide to hold your tongue, I'm there, and I gave you the strength to do it. When you decide to, listen, you cannot, as a Christian, you cannot sin without ignoring him. Let me say it on this side, because you cannot sin without ignoring the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said that he gives us desires that are opposite of the flesh. Oh, when I got that truth, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to do this on my own. My flesh is going to desire stuff, but the Holy Spirit is the one who gives me desires that are opposite of the flesh. And in every moment, my freedom is relying upon my relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. But when you understand he's holy and he's God and he's living in me all the time, for some reason he chose to make this his home. It's not just an analogy, guys. He's really in us. The only way that a person, I mean, let me preach this because you'd be surprised how many people are sitting here just worship Jesus and they feel distant to God. We just had an encounter, but many will walk out, not even excluding myself. I've been there. I I might be here again. I don't know. But walk out and say that week, God, where in the heck are you? Why is it so hard? Are you even here? This is just one of those series, ain't it? If what you feel here diminishes when you leave, and the only place you feel it is here, then you are immersed in Christianity as a religion but you're missing the purpose of your personal relationship. Because the same God that is here is here because he's here. (laughs) 
If you don't understand that, then you still think God is the Father and he's kind of floats down every now and then. And he's on the throne, he comes down. You don't understand the Holy Spirit is in us. The only way that a person can feel distant to God, one of two things. One, you do not believe that the Holy Spirit is really in you. Or two, you do not believe that the Holy Spirit is fully God. There's no other way that I can say I feel distant to him and say the Holy Spirit is in me and he's fully God. You have to find where that lie is. Either you're not convinced that he's in you or you're not convinced that he's fully God. There is absolutely no way to believe that the Holy Spirit is fully in me and he's fully God, and it not changed the way I live. There's no way. There's no way that I can fully believe that the Holy Spirit is fully in me and that he's fully God, and it not change the way I live. Everybody say the Holy Spirit is God himself. He's fully God. He's fully God. When we begin to understand this, it changes everything about our life. The Holy Spirit is not just an entity. He is deity. In my journey, I began to realize this. And I began to say, I'm praying for freedom, and I'm praying for healing, and I'm praying for, and I realized my theology said the Holy Spirit is God, but then why am I still trying to beg God up there to do something down here? And when I began to understand the Holy Spirit, I began to realize there's not another thing the Father is going to initiate. The, the, the Old Testament believers were waiting for this day. They were laboring for this day. They were prophesying about this day. That in the last days, I would pour out my spirit. That there's going to be a new covenant. That, that the, the veil is going to be split because then the presence of God was isolated to one location. And only one man could go in once a year to make atonement for the sins of the world. But when Jesus breathed his last breath, the earth began to shake and the veil was split in two. And the presence of God was no longer isolated to a location. It was no longer his home. He made you his home. And I begin to see, wait a minute, everything has already been fulfilled. Like there's, there's nothing else other than him coming and make his enemies a footstool. But the father has nothing else to initiate for you. If you are still waiting on God to do something, it's not a looking forward. It's a looking back to what Jesus has already done. You just don't believe it yet. You don't have a revelation of the gospel. And I begin to say, wait a minute, man. Every day and every week, I'm like, God, man, I need freedom. And I need this and I need peace. And when are you going to, oh, I need it. I'm going to press in. I'm going to press in. And I begin to realize, wait a minute. He said, I've given you everything. He said, what does that mean? He's given you himself. 
So we say we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We don't know what that means. We're like, oh, he's giving me everything, but you don't see my electric bill, though, huh? He's giving me everything, huh? People be getting, like, upset, man. They're ready to fight me sometimes when you quote scripture. The Lord has blessed you with everything, because it don't make sense. You've been blessed with every spiritual, always spiritual. I need it physical. You know what I'm talking, you know? It's spiritual. It's in him. It's in the Holy Spirit. Everything that you would ever need is on the inside of you right now. The all-knowing God himself is in you. The all-powerful God himself is in me. The all-sufficient God himself is in me. How do I know we don't believe this yet? Just look at Christians' faces from time to time. We don't believe it. This is the only way the Bible can say, greater is he who is inside of me than he who is in the world. Put your hands on your chest. I feel today that we need to next week is going to bless you because I'm going to talk about his companionship some of you are lonely and there's voids I've, I've been there I probably am still there right now I'm still walking this out if there's addictions in your life there's a void and it's not until you remove the addiction that you see there's a void because you have to stop filling it as, as I, in my journey of free I began to remove the things that I depended upon all of a sudden I began to it began to hurt say God whether it's loneliness whether it let me tell you when you understand the Holy Spirit as a person and a companion and a friend and what he does in your life on a daily basis it will change how you live did this challenge anybody's belief system or your experience now, you cannot say no and you're still bound. Like, because I'm not saying what you believe in, I'm saying your experience. We don't stop growing in the knowledge of this until we experience what we truly believe in. Stand to your feet. And what I want to do today is I felt like. about him as a person we're going to get into his work in you the work that he does on the inside of you transformation healing all of it is the work of the holy spirit and then we're going to get to his work through you we're going to touch on the spiritual gifts we're going to activate them we're going to start flowing in power but what we're saying in this series is person before power if we can honor him and love him as a person we can begin to walk in the power of the holy spirit felt today as the altar call what we needed to do is is actually repent you say repent to the holy spirit well, do you repent to god uh-oh if we're still hitting it <laughs> we're going to repent to god the holy spirit corporately individually i have no idea where you're at maybe you say i've never acknowledged him as god like he's always just like a force and I've always seen God as up there 
and I've never acknowledged him as God himself. I've never prayed to him. I've never worshiped him. But so often we come together as a church and the Holy Spirit is not mentioned. He's not acknowledged. He's just the thing to kind of help us get, get us going. So put your hands on your chest and we're going to pray this together. And I think that through this, it's going to change everything because those barriers are going to be broken and you're going to be able to experience God like you never have before. You should leave this place today and wake up tomorrow and saying, if that word was true, then I can experience the fullness of God himself right here because he's in me. And that's what I want. He's not distant. I'm not trying to get his attention. The Holy Spirit is in me. Repeat after me. Say, Holy Spirit, forgive us for not seeing you for who you really are. 